You're listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turk, Emily Yates, and Gerard Cuomo. All our current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years of EMS experience. Each month we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, offering many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Mike Turk. This is the Medic Materials Podcast, and welcome to the delightfully cold upstate New York, December 1st. Gerard, he's joining us Hello. today. <laughs> uh, we're also joined with Emily and our resident EMT intern, who shortly will be mm. our resident EMT basic. That's right. Trainee, mm. I guess, because yeah. you're not going to be an intern anymore. No. Good for you. Um, so today is our discussion episode, and on the 15th of the month, we're going to be doing the, uh, the review for this discussion, but EMT class is winding down. So the, the concept and the thought process that you're almost an EMT basic is right over the horizon. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Gerard came up with this fabulous idea in that. We don't really teach people that are coming out of EMT class how to prepare to go into EMS. That's true. We're taught, here's what to know. See you later. Bye. Just enough to make you dangerous. Just enough to make you dangerous. Just enough to make you make mistakes, get you in trouble with employers and other, you know, fellow employees and, you know, Mm-hmm. There's there's plenty of life lessons that we could tell you about in this table, and, and we'll go over a few. Um, but I, yes, this episode is geared towards the EMT that's just literally testing out. But the paramedics, the EMTs that have been established should be listening to this as well because I'm going to tell a few stories that are personal to me that I pass along to every single EMT student I ever teach to try and tell them, listen, here's my fuck ups. Mm. Don't do the same thing. Like, don't be that guy. If you're that guy and I'm telling these stories and you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally that guy. Don't be that guy, right? That's why you should be listening to this. So You weren't the guy who got out of the ambulance the first time and said scene safe BSI, right? Never. Okay. I never was that. But I was the guy that got kicked out of a rescue squad because I drove That's to right. a scene with a person that wasn't a certified driver yet and then had that person drive to and back from the hospital. Mm. So make mistakes, right? You're like, right. yeah, I'm awesome. I need to do this CVA call. And then you're like, oh, shit. I could have just like totally offed 15 people <laughs> on the way with this driver that has no idea how the fuck to drive. Right. Because I'm awesome and I'm an EMT and my card's dripping wet and I know better. Right. Because that's what they don't teach you in class. So f- stories are going to be full and plentiful <laughs> in this one. Um, the first thing that I want to go over is I want to turn to you, Kelsey, and I want to talk about class itself, right? You are literally just finishing. Your tests are coming up, um, your state test, your practical. I want to ask first, what are, do you believe that you are prepared for the test and then for what comes after the test? So... Personally, hands down, think I'm prepared for the practical. 
no problem. Can pass any difficulty breathing case they throw at me. No problem whatsoever. The written I am a little bit more nervous about um, just because I feel like my teacher's teaching style and my learning style didn't exactly mesh too well, but you can't exactly choose who your teacher is all the time. Um, so I'm not really 100% confident in the written, but I am studying and working hard to try and learn. Um, and the issue is, is I don't want to, in high school, I kind of was one of those learners who never studied, went in, took the test, forgot everything I knew. With this, if you forget everything you know, you might really screw somebody up, so not the best idea. Um, so and I'm really trying to re retain and understand what I have to know this time around versus what I did in high school, which was just know the equation and find X or whatever mm -hmm. random history fact I had to know to pass. And I think that that tells a lot because there isn't a lot of teaching to understand concepts in EMT class. There's teaching to, to pass the test and okay, you know, C bleeding, plug hole. Short C shortness of breath, give oxygen. There's not a understanding of like, hey, we should probably know why we're plugging the hole, right? Or why we're giving oxygen or this amount of oxygen or this medication at the time. Um, and I feel like that's an emphasis that have been lost in EMT class, at least in our area. Like we make it an emphasis in our classes. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you see a stark difference, not tuning our own horn, toot toot, but, you know, there's there's something to say that when our students can come out and be like, hey, Kelsey, why does glucose levels go up in sepsis? Because the body is producing more ATP to fight off infection, which I know because you taught me that. An EMT student can do that and understand why she's seeing hyperglycemia in mm. sepsis patients I feel like they're ready for being out in the field instead of, I don't know, it's one of the five markers. I just checked the box. I saw 251. I checked the box. Cool. They're septic. I don't know why, but yeah. they are, right? Um, you've been studying. You, you're studying with us. You're studying with Emily. You're riding. You know, that's the big thing, too, is you're a junior where we all ride. So how do you feel like that has prepared you over just – like, hey, I just joined an EMT class because I wanted to do this for a living and no prior experience whatsoever. So I definitely think I'm a lot better prepared because anytime I have a question, I can come to you guys or I see like, oh, this is an actual septic patient where you can't put somebody in sepsis in class and be like, oh, this is what they look like. It's really hard to portray like that actual image. And that was a scenario that Gerard had ran with me where He's like, there's something that you're looking for, but the issue is if you can't actually see it, you wouldn't know what right. questions to ask. Right, and I and that I try and do in, in my lab scenarios is give you that look, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you have a sepsis patient with a UTI, I will create a bag of nasty urine for you to look at. He did. Mm -hmm. Right? It he might did. only be iced tea. He but won't I drink water for four days. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> And I'll give myself right. a UTI to, on That's top right. of it. <laughs> it's cloudy. There's shit floating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it's it. There's one thing to say when you have walk into your EMT class lab scenario and you go, okay, you are faced with a 56 year old female shortness of breath. Cool. There they are, and they're sitting. They're not short of breath. It's a, it's they're a male pink. student. They're right, right. right. And I had you're a like, male ectopic pregnancy the other day. That's right phenomenal. Smart. 
right? How can you, like, yes, you can practice off of that, but are you really prepared? Right. So you can practice the sheets, and and there are a lot of the you can memorize the sheets, and I think that's a good thing. Like, yeah. and that my personal opinion is memorize the sheets because yes. when Kelsey goes and does her first call without help, and she gets flustered, she's going to fall back to yep. initial A B C. What do I have to do? Those sheets, as mundane as they are. And as stupid as everyone thinks they are, memorize them. Memorize them. Mm-hmm. And act, like, I think they're the greatest thing that you could learn from mm-hmm. because it gives you that foundation. Even though you don't realize it, you're going to use it for the rest of your career. And it's yeah. going to put you into a rhythm that you're going to do on every single patient. So you're going to you're going to hit every single point every single time. Right. And yeah. uh, we've all talked outside of here in that EMS is the same everywhere Mm -hmm. right circumstances might change patients might change but the way you conduct a patient assessment is the same whether it's guy fall down go boom in the shower or you know cpr acls it's Mm -hmm. all done exactly the same you know you're going to run 1500 difficulty breathing calls every single one exactly the same circumstances might change but they're all exactly the same and once you get that in your mind, you'll be like, wow, EMS is easy. Like, I don't have to freak out because it's like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm looking for. Right. right? This is the same difficulty breathing I've seen. Again, maybe right. circumstances change and I have to tweak here and there, but I'm prepared for this. Well, that's where the sheets come in. It's for the people that don't have that, hey, I've seen this before. Right. If you haven't seen it before, that is your foundation. That's where you're going to build your style of doing it. You know, it, it's everyone has their own style. You know, no one per. We all don't assess the patient the same way, but we do. Mm-hmm. You know, no one assessment is the same, but you're all looking for the exactly. same things. Yeah, you're all gonna find them on your own way. I think um, it also plays being a junior and getting out there to do this before you have a card and you're responsible for this is talk to people, talk to patients. You know, it's one thing to talk to a sick person when you're walking into their house and you've never met them before, and they're all staring at you, all bug-eyed. And, you know, how many of you guys that haven't been in EMS are going up to random people in the, in the store and starting a conversation? It's di- more difficult than you would imagine. So Especially now. You can't talk to anybody. Right. Out with right. <laughs> but, like, that's a huge thing. So not only are you worried about, am I, am I missing something on my assessment? Am I missing something with this patient? But now you're like, oh, my God, I actually have to talk to this patient. Yeah, it's one of the things I, I always fault with uh, the way our system is set up here. You know, 10 hours of ride time is all you need to become an EMT basic. And it's like, one thing we can't teach in class is bedside, bedside manner. Bedside manner. The only way you're going to get that is patient contact. You know, you're going to be all thumbs for the first 50. Right. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of a sink or swim, yeah. crash and burn yeah. until you figure it out. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing things, you're, you know, you're doing your assessment, you're sizing people up um, because that's one of the things that you have to learn how to do because uh, that's going to determine what style of... Oh, I hate, I hate to use, yeah, I hate to use good cop, bad cop, but sometimes some people need bad cop, mm-hmm. and you got to learn to differentiate between who, you know who needs that and who needs you know you know the, their handheld. Um, and, and how are you going to know that unless yeah. you do that with somebody? Yeah, you can't I mean, teach it. Yeah. yeah. You and just I think, do it. especially as a junior, um, it was really great because nobody expected me to do anything. If I wasn't comfortable, I could hands down walk away. If I didn't know something, it was explained. Nobody looked at me. What do you mean you don't know that? 
And I think especially having that ride time, I mean, right now because of COVID, we aren't doing ride time. And I think having that ride time and not be, you're expected obviously now more than I was as a junior, but at the same time, you're still learning. It's not like it's you and an EMT partner. Okay, it's all yours. Because then if you don't know, you are to blame. Where before when I was a junior and just doing ride time now, if I don't know, I've got two other people I can be like, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on or I need help. And they're right there for me to fall back on. And nobody's going to be like, oh, you idiot. And, <laughs> and, you know, there's there's something to say about, you know, putting in, you know, getting what you put in. Absolutely. You know, they're like, you know, there's definitely been juniors that have come through our door that they're wallflowers. bumps on the log, they're yeah. wallflowers, they're there and they leave. And it's like, OK, go be an accountant. You'll be fine. Right. Yeah, and and then Kelsey comes along and she's like, I'm going to do this for a job at 15. And we're like why run run First thing why college, would you go to law school. why go be a doctor and yeah you know but there's there is a sense of determination in especially you to be like hey i want to do this i'm gonna make the best of mm. an awesome opportunity and i'm going to bring up my Worst moment for you. It's okay. <laughs> Other than the day we met, apparently. Um, Angry eyebrows. Uh, so uh, she No. I, he flat out a little told me bit no, of, and your husband oh, didn't even defend me. A little bit of both. Shocker. A little bit of both. Um, yeah, apparently I took care of a family member of hers, and I didn't let her go to the hospital because I didn't know who she was at the time. And she wasn't like, hey, I'm a junior here. So, like, I can go. And I was like, no, you can't. I look at your husband. So, ask him, can different. I go to the hospital and come back? Like, I know I can't be in the hospital, but she's never been to the hospital before. She's in her 80s. Never been to the hospital before, ever. She's freaking out. So I'm like, can I just ride up with her, come back? Ask Corey. He looks, points it to him, and he goes, no. And I was like, this guy, <laughs> I, I hate him. Yep, I have no idea who she even is. Complete so, stark contrast to my first interaction with her. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's <laughs> right. Um, Jumped in the back of your ambulance. She's like, hey, do you need any help? I'm like, yeah, stabilize that open fracture. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you again? Yeah. Yep. You're I just baby, thought. Right? <laughs> what'd you think? She was a nurse or something? I was something? like, you're a nurse, right? <laughs> no, I'm a junior. What? <laughs> Keep holding it. Keep going. <laughs> um, so I kind of put you into a tough spot recently where you were riding as a third on one of my shifts and there was a very bls level call extremely bls level like my emt partner probably could have slept through this call it was so bls i think he did maybe (laughs) (laughs) and i go okay here you go kelsey and dump it in her lap I'm like, you are the person in charge from here on in. Ask, you know, our other EMT if you need anything. I'm going to go drive. See you in 30 minutes. Yeah, he went, I'm the driver today. But that's the way, that's the time to do it. Because that's the time that you have to fuck it all up. Yep. When you have somebody else right next to you. That's the time to take that and learn Because well, if it. I was going to kill somebody, hopefully he would have said something. Maybe. Unless he was sleeping. Wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> just, wait, just wake him up. Just wake up. <laughs> hey, can I do that? Um, but you know, I, I want to, I want to touch base on that because that is exactly why I did that. Right. When, when you are in your ride time, 
when you, and do more right. You have your right? safety net. You have your safety net. Yeah, when though. you're an intern, you have that safety net of FTOs sitting there going, okay, I'm going to let you fuck it up a little, but I'm not going to let you fuck it up to where they're dead. Right. Right? How, like, I know that that was overwhelming because I gave you two BLS patients and you have never had two BLS patients. No. Now, granted, they were fairly, you know, easy vital signs getting information, but how did you go through that other than oh man i hate Turek for this uh the, so, the see, entire I time even, <laughs> i didn't even hate you for that because <laughs> i was definitely overwhelmed and you could see it like i had to take a minute and step outside before i went and gave the nurse's report like i was over the top overwhelmed because in the back of my head i'm like oh my god what if i just screwed these two people up and i'm like wait he wouldn't have let me screw him up in the back <laughs> like mm-hmm. and it took me a while to come to that realization because it was technically an mvc very, very tippity-tappity-tap, MVC, no damage to the car or anything, but two patients, and I have been on one car accident when I was 16, so two years ago now. I didn't really know the questions to ask, so I was really thankful that you asked the questions for me, mm-hmm. but I was really out of my depth. We don't cover MCIs in class. We never covered, okay, you're given two patients. What should you do now? And so I honestly, like, at first, I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And I definitely was like, and I looked right at the other UT, and I was like, what do I do? I was like, who do I start with? He's like, just pick one. And I was like, oh, (laughs) and and really, That's as easy as that. Flip a coin. Who wants to go first? (laughs) Yeah, and that was the hardest part for me was, like, getting and, like, starting. Because there was two. Do I do the assessments at the same time? And I I asked, like, my sample questions the same time. And then when I got to, like, the OPQRST and the actual assessment, I did them each individually. But... To be thrown that, I was really like, oh, my God, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And I definitely got overwhelmed, but I was upset with myself, and then I took it as a learning experience, and I went, okay, you sucked a little, but that's okay. We're going to keep going and not do it the next time. And, and you know, that's the key. and that's the key, right? Um, my father-in-law has always said, and you and I spoke about this, where mm-hmm. we have different P's for stuff, but right. my father-in-law has the five P's, right? Uh, practice prevents piss poor performance and I, I know he stole that from somewhere else god only knows where um but it's true like the more that we see stuff the more we practice now you have something to where you can fall back on it right we've talked a hundred million times to beat the horse to death about previous experiences right they dictate how we're going to do other things in this industry other treatments other whatever now you have that to be like, hey, I am not going to be scared shitless that I have two patients, right? I've rocked it out before. I know where I need to do better. I can do it, you know, even better next time, whatever. Um, I I think there's something to be said about doing a junior program if you have it in your area. Yeah. You know, it gives you that ride time without actually being in class. Or in I mean, and no if expectations. You're, you're right. not responsible yeah. for anything that you don't want to be. You're coming just to have a good time. Like, you're coming to learn. Yeah. You're coming to have fun. And I think that that really sets a foundation. Yep. But even if you don't have a junior program that you can get into, if you're, you know, if you're not a junior, if you're, you know, in your 20s, 30s, whatever, you're wanting to become an EMT. Go you know, ride. Yeah, they have, yeah, they say, oh, 10, you know, hours minimum of ride time. What's well, minimum? Right. You know, when Except I remember when up. I, yeah, when I did my uh, EMT place i went to 
I did my first 10 hours in one day, and they said, do you want to come back? You're more than welcome. And I did. Yep. And I think I rode something like 40 hours. Yeah. And I think a big thing is if there's a call and you can go, go. Because that night I was over, he was explaining pneumothoraxes to me. And that call went and then two more went. And I went on all three that night. And I was in a sweatshirt and jeans because I wasn't planning on going any, on any call. But the call came out and I, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I got my first two RMAs that night. I've never seen anybody be RMA'd before. So you go if you have the opportunity. And that's how you learn. Yep. I, I wholeheartedly agree. So I want to jump from the skills portion to attacking the test, right? Not so much the PSE because run your sheets until your eyes bleed. It's more <laughs> or less the only thing I can tell you. And what is the most important thing to bring Gerard in a PSE situation? A watch with a second hand. God fucking right. Don't uh, give not me your a phone. pulse rate and whip out your phone. Right. Drives me nuts. Because Gerard and I will remove the clocks oh, out of oh, uh, you and I yeah. both. We will remove the clocks and we will remove your phone and then you're fucked. And well, I the, hope other people do that. The state removes your phone. Well, yes. You can't bring it in. Yes. Well, so I, that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, what are they thinking? I, I never understood it. You and I harp on watches until I, like I said, I have, we're blue in the face. Uh, whenever COVID's over and we have our, our next class. I have a big Flavor Flav clock that you wear around your neck for, <laughs> for the ladies that continue to show up without a watch. And I have a little nice Hello Kitty watch for the fellas. Yep. For when they do the same thing. Yep. Because inevitably they will. Yep. The whole class. Mm-hmm. Um, so diving into attacking the test, right? Um, there's There's a few things that we need to talk about in the actual test format, right? At least in this state, I know with the National Registry, they don't throw you anything like short answer or give me an essay. They give you four multiple choice. That's it. Yeah. And there's and there's 100 of them, typically. New York State gives you 110. Ten of them don't count. So you're taking 100, you know, mm-hmm. multiple choice. A lot of people are petrified of this test. And, I mean, New York does not make them easy. Biggest thing I always hear is, oh, I'm not a good test taker. Right. Bullshit. I know. I hate it when I hear that. that. I know. So so at this table, how do we tell people that say, I'm not a good test taker. Okay. Suck it up, buttercup. Life's tough. Get a helmet. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the first. Oh, my God. That's the first time. It took six episodes. I finally got to use my helmet remark. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. Can um, I put on a plaque for my wall? Nice <laughs> job, get a helmet. Uh, good old Sean Hunter, Corey Matthews. Mm. Oh, it's great. I actually know that reference. Good. <laughs> um, Thankfully, we didn't mention anything about Han Solo. Shush, you. <laughs> He's sitting in front of me, and he agrees. As is Boba Fett. <laughs> um, so... How, but really, what do we say here as a table in that, hey, you can pass this test. Here's some ways to do so. Honestly, if you can go through your book, uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this on, I think, another episode, um, and really know your, know your review questions. Go through the review questions. If you can answer them, you know, without looking things up by the time you're at the end 
uh, I think you're you're fairly safe in as far as your retention of knowledge. Um, as far as taking the test, remember that two of those four answers are going to be completely bullshit. and utterly bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other two are going to be extremely similar. Uh, and it's just up to you to you know not read into the question. If it's not in the question, it it's not there. Don't fabricate it. Don't. Don't put more information. Don't put, in and exactly. I think so many people want to do that. You yeah. create a scenario in your head. Get it out. Right. If it Take doesn't specifically say it in the words on the paper, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And so if you do start creating those scenarios, because I do that every once in a while, I read the question, I read it a second time, and I'm like, man, I really got no idea. Skip it. You can always come back, back to it. Mm-hmm. Don't even mark down what you think it's going to be. Skip it and come back, because when you read it the second time, you might have been like, wow, there's a comma there that I missed, and that changes everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. The comma. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. Inside joke. Yeah. But, uh, and, and one of the other things, like, I, I know for me, when I take a state test, it, it sounds silly, but honestly, I just drop right back to basics. And when you're, if you're doing a scenario question, ABCs, you know, literally keep it in your head, scene size up, ABCs, you know, your primary, then your secondary. So when it asks the question of, you know, what should be done first? Well, let's start with our primary. Is any of those in the answers? Is uh, anything in our secondary in the answers? And in which order? Which comes first? So, again, if you know your sheets and you know your your patient assessment, your scenario questions shouldn't even be a problem. And that's a huge – I was going to bring that up at some point. That is a huge thing to look at because you can sit there and go, okay – you know, I'm reading the the scenario question. They've they've done their you know airway right. Their airway is open. Um, they've checked for you know bleeding and whatever, but they have shortness of breath and they were never put on oxygen. And you're like, okay, well, what's done next? You're like, oh, the only one that has oxygen next is that one. So right. I'm gonna go with A B. Duh, B's next. Right. Right. Uh, it works. You know, ten times out of ten when they are asking those scenario type questions. Um, the other big one, and I was going to talk to you about this one, is the MCI questions. At least here in New York, they will always, always ask the one MCI question of which person gets transported first. Right. And there's always a, like, you know, seven-year-old that's dead. And everyone always picks that one, and it's always, like, the, you know, 56-year-old that's got chest pain. Right. Just understand your your theories and your processes the triage, of triage, yeah. right? Yes, we all feel really bad that the seven-year-old is dead, but the seven-year-old is also dead, dead, right? Yeah. We're not going to waste resources in an MCI to treat the dead guy, right? I know it's terrible and heartless, and we're all like, oh, fuck off. We're going to do it no matter what. Wrong, right? The real way to do things is black tag, sorry, we have right. other things to do. Um, so just remember that one on, because there's always that question, at least in this state. I don't know much about the national registry test, but. Well, you know, one of my pet peeves about, uh, you know, number of patients as she knows is what I think is should be a little bit higher on the, the scene size up list. Um, one of the greatest, uh, I guess examples of that was on a state test I took, uh, it was an EMT exam and, uh, <laughs> it literally gave you. You know, multiple victims in a, in a car accident. And the question was, you know, what should you do first? And, of course, it was, you know, open the 
airway of the person who's, you know, not breathing or, you know, start CPR on the seven-year-old and all this stuff. And then way at the bottom was, you know, answer D, and it was, you know, verify number of patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was it. And that's it. You know, yeah. because, again, where does it fall on your sheet? Your right initial stinking assessment, up. right? Yep. Um, so those those would be the things that, um, you know, you can do to be a better physical test taker you know i'm one that i don't like i'll bring a scrap piece of paper if they allow it and i'll write all of my answers on that so i don't even fudge with the scantron until i'm done some people say oh well if you miss one bubble everything down below is wrong yes that's a possibility but if you're anal retentive like i am when taking tests (laughs) it's not gonna happen um but that gives me the the whole like stress-free factor of just going through my test I don't have to sit there and bubble. I don't have to be like, oh, what question am I on? I just take the test. Um, some people will sit there and go, okay. You know, they'll cover their answers. They'll read the question. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, okay, A, what's A? No, I don't like A. Scratch that out. Right? B, what's B? Okay, I don't like that one either. Scratch that out. Now I have two, two you know, answers that are viable. Um, there's lots of different ways to take tests that make you a better test taker. But that whole, like, oh, I'm a good test taker. You have to find what works be better, for you. But then be, be better, better. right. If you know you're bad at testing. Like, I tell people this all the time. They can only ask a question so many ways. So keep taking practice tests. Mm-hmm. Keep answering questions. You're going to yeah. get the hang of it. Uh, and I 100% agree. Yeah, like, those, the online uh, EMT prep courses are great. Yep. The free ones. Eventually we'll have one. Free test, yeah. free, uh, like, style questions. Mm-hmm. Take whatever you can get. Mm-hmm. There's free apps out there. Look in your book. Quizlet. Look in your I was just going to say, Quizlet so is your friend. Yep. Quizlet is so your best friend. There's so many yeah. questions. You cannot take too many practice questions. Absolutely. Um, so, Kelsey, you have invented a new acronym. Uh-huh. Go, girl. Yeah. And... I don't even understand how we missed this, Gerard, but you and I have been teaching this since my father-in-law right. taught it to me all those years ago. And they never made it an acronym. And, they, and we never I never know. even saw it. The writing was on the wall the I'm whole time. I'm a paramedic time. today because of it. Uh, yep. And you guys are going to listen to this next bit of test-taking advice. These are the four keys to passing every EMT paramedic exam ever created. And... You're going to listen to these, and you're going to be like, you guys took acid. And I'm going to go, but you'll pass. Right? Right? That's as simple as that. So what is our fancy acronym for this? Test-taking awesomeness. So the acronym you need to know is SCAR. SCAR. It's even badass. Right? Like, it's SCAR. SCAR. I just scarred my way through that test. Damn. I like it. So here's what. I'm going to buy a Harley now. (laughs) It's on the next T-shirt. No, that's we all suck. It has to be it the next be. T-shirt. Yeah, we all suck. I already have the uh, the the stickers made. Okay. I just need a T-shirt made. We all suck. When we're talking about scar, the first thing that you need to do for S is eat a lot of salt. Con- consume as much salt as you possibly can prior to your test. So you're driving to your test. You are, you know, you Without got going into renal failure, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. We... I... Or I don't want somebody just, you know, like mainlining freaking, you know, Morgan salt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could, <laughs> uh, but take your bag of pork rinds, take your bag of munchos, 
whatever. Salt and vinegar <laughs> chips, personal favorite. Yep, salt and vinegar chips, whatever it might be, down the bag, right? Why, you ask? Salt increases perfusion, right? Salt and blood pressure go hand in hand. So when you have a lot of salt in your system, it raises blood pressure. Blood pressure raised perfuses noodle more. More blood to noodle means more concentration, more ability to think properly when you're actually trying to think like really hard about test questions, right? So you want that increased uh, perfusion to the brain. Next, C, caffeine, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be tired when you're taking your tests. So while you have your pork rinds, Grab a Red Bull. I don't care. Give yourself, explode your heart with but, the salt and the caffeine. I don't know. El- but what else does caffeine help you do? What else does caffeine help you do, Gerard? <laughs> caffeine helps you concentrate. It does. It because does. Because what is Ritalin? What do they give people with hyperactivity disorder? Mm-hmm. Whole shit tons Whole shit of, of artificial caffeine. caffeine. Your mm-hmm. concentration will be better if you're high on caffeine. Yep. So I typically like a Coca-Cola product, mm-hmm. but I mean a Red Bull, a whatever iced is coffee, an iced coffee, whatever it might be, caffeine. Monster. Mm. See, yeah. No, that's the only See, reason I passed nursing. Okay, <laughs> so when I was in college and I was doing all-nighters for for art school, mm-hmm. I would do a forty-four ounce from the Wawa. Because this was Pennsylvania, so we had Wawa <laughs> instead of Stewart's. So I do a 44 ounce Wawa, three quarters Pepsi, one quarter Mountain Dew, oh, and no. a and a Nas shot of Florida. energy drink. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'd that definitely be puking. No, 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 no. no. I understand Hold why on. You have a pacemaker. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that is the reason why I have a pacemaker. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Um, I'm so damn old. They don't make the caffeine oh. drink I used to drink. Tang? No. <laughs> oh, I love Tang. It was called Jolt Cola. I they, remember they, Jolt. They actually had on the can, it said twice the sugar, twice the caffeine. They nice. made no bones about it. Yes. <laughs> and for all my military friends out there, Rip It is always a good fallback. Mm-hmm. So caffeine is your second one. Okay. Next, you, you're going to think I'm crazy. If you don't think I'm crazy already, is be pissed off. Get angry. Right. And you're like, why am I going to go into a test? Fuming. Fuming. Mm -hmm. Right? It makes no sense. I want to be calm. I want to be collected. My thoughts want to be there. Okay. Let me just just paint a picture. Okay? You you come home smelling like dirty pirate hooker. (laughs) (laughs) You're a tramp, if you may. Right. You come home smelling like dirty pirate hooker. And your wife, significant other, husband, whatever, comes over and is like, why are you smelling like dirty pirate hooker? And you guys start a fight. I guarantee you, you will be able. That sock you left in the living room five years ago will come out. Will come out, right? (laughs) The things that you can remember from your subconscious when you're angry is unreal, right? Especially for the females. You, every, power, really. <laughs> yeah. every dirty deed that ever came out will be in that argument. 
That that sock, the the butter knife left in the sink that nobody cleaned. It's all there. That one text seven years ago, that right. would be there too. Exactly. The one time you left the toilet seat up, I don't forget. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's all buried in the subconscious. So when you sit there and go Jesus forgives, I don't <laughs> <laughs> So when you get angry, you sit down for your test, you have your caffeine, you have your salt. And now you're fuming. Now you can sit there and go, hey, I can bring stuff out of my subconscious a little easier. Maybe, oh, man, I don't remember what, you know, DKA was. And then you think about it a little bit and boom, DKA comes out of your subconscious. So it might sound crazy, but it works. I typically will tell my students my only political statement of the podcast. If you're left leaning, listen to like rush on your way. If you're right-leaning, listen to NPR. It does perfect, mm. right? Um, lastly, I think people are going to sit here and go, this is the craziest one. This is the one where I looked at you and went, he's insane. Yeah. And he's gone. And there he's <laughs> off the cliff, right? <laughs> Wear or bring something red in color. And you're like, yeah, no, I'm turning this off to a different podcast. <laughs> like, the dude's lost his mind. So, there is scientific data out there. And this is why I bring a Coke bottle or can. Because I don't have to sit there and wear a red shirt and look down at it. I can sit it on my desk and go, oh, look, Coke. I'll take a swig. <laughs> I'm angry. Red is an angry color, so it keeps me angry. and keeps focused. It keeps me focused, right? So well, When you first told me about it... I... Yeah, I thought about it because you know, my first incident, of course, was, all right, he's off his bloody he's trolley. Insane. But uh, then when you think about it, think about the bullfights. I was just going to say The that. matador. It's a red cape mm-hmm. that they use to f- keep the attention of the bull. You know? So, yeah. Uh, I get it. So, there was a 20... That, so, this is how I know that everyone's going to sit there and be like, Turek's lost his fucking mind. So, I went out. And I found a 2013 study that I will link in the show notes of this episode that you can go read all about color and memory. And there was red involved. So let me just read a couple things, right? From the studies mentioned above, the level of arousal evoked, and that's not like sexual arousal, that's mental arousal for all the dirty EMS people that just went, ooh, ooh. Or giggity. (laughs) Ooh, giggity, right? Uh, From the studies mentioned above, the level of arousal evoked by environmental stimuli can have a significant effect on memory performance in whether the short or long-term memory storage. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, that was our new beaver. (laughs) Can he be named Benny? Sure. You guys suck. <laughs> yes, we do. We all do. <laughs> we all do. So arousal, especially emotional arousal, can play an essential role in keeping the information in the memory system. Colors can enhance the relationship between arousal and memory. 98 college student volunteers in public institutions uh, associated colors with emotion. All right. So then they found that some types of emotion may have a greater effect on arousal than others. For instance, anger was found to have a greater arousal effect than happier neutral types of emotion. Red color being uh, attached with stronger emotions or feelings compared to other colors brought out more emotional 
um, arousing, which then creates more memory abilities. So, boom, red does shit. <laughs> um, I'm not crazy. Neither is my father-in-law who told me that years ago, and I'm like, you're fucking, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, I passed all my tests since, so yeah. he must not have been off his rocker too much. Um, so th- that would be scar, right? So salt, caffeine, be angry, wear red, bring red, do something with red, and uh, maybe you'll pass. All yeah. of our students that I tell them, they're like, okay, and then they all show up and they're engorged in you know right. salty crap and i'm like hey awesome sweating profusely and right. their bodies are going into shock but they pass so that's all that's, that matters. What, matters. that's what matters but right did you die <laughs> um it is kind of funny i mean uh just going to my way back machine uh a lot of my friends used to be uh fighter pilots in the military and uh they swear up and down that the greatest fighter pilots aren't the super fit, brand new, you know, right out of flight school, you know, can run five miles in two minutes kind of people. The greatest fighter pilots are the fat major that's been doing this for 20 years. He smokes cigarettes, eats cheeseburgers at every meal, gets in the airplane, pulls nine G's, doesn't even phase him spots airplanes you know in places where they'd never even imagine you could see them again salt mm-hmm. that that you know the caffeine i mean just and of course being unhealthy the higher, is, the higher is blood significant pressure, you know i so mean every, everyone says that being unhealthy yeah. is is bad but i mean <laughs> you, you see more people die at the gym than sitting on their couch eating shit right um so, yeah, so uh, that is the way that we would say prepare for your tests. The The last thing I want to say about preparing for your test is cramming doesn't work. No, it does not. If you do not know the material. You're not going to learn it the day of your test. The night of. Oh. You're not going to know it. I'm going to tell you, so, the day before your test. Do nothing. Do get a nothing. massage. Yeah. Go out to dinner. Go get laid. Anything, get laid. Anything but EMS. In the morning, like go get your coffee, get something salty, have a great morning. Stop. Cramming. Get laid again. <laughs> it works. So, when last year, my, do you want a timeout? <laughs> oh. Which is going to bring us to our your first two weeks in EMS. <laughs> what to expect? Getting late. Gerard was gonna make a salty joke. <laughs> so my first. But his filter engaged. <laughs> that was that old twitching thing you saw. The slight seizure you had. Yeah, when I, went, I went straight to CP. <laughs> Typ- so typically we record these in the mornings, folks. Now it's six o'clock at night, and we're feeling it. Yeah. So my thing about cramming is last year I did a medical program and we took A&P through our local community college and class didn't start until 11 is when we took our test. Well, we all had to be on the high school schedule and so we had to be there at 8. So my teacher went, okay, you have from 8 to 11. College campus is yours. Do whatever you want. Check in with me before you go in the room. I took a nap. 
fully laid down on the couch and took a nap. All the other kids in my class studying their hearts. I got the highest grade in the class. There you go. And mm-hmm. I literally, the from like 8.30 to like 10.30, I was passed out on the couch sleeping. Never, 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 never are you going to learn something new. No. In the 12 hours before And the test. one nope. thing you do the learn, one thing you will that do is one point yourself. is yes. not going to do anything. Right. Yeah. You'll end up confusing yourself. Exactly. Yep. And stressing Don't out even, even more. Don't even worry about it. Yep. What you know is what you know. Yeah, my yep. teacher's like, I don't understand. I was like, I didn't stress. I took a nap. I knew what I knew. Those three yep. hours you gave us, what was I going to learn? One thing. If that. No. If that. You know? So as we move on, you've passed your test. Yippee. Right? Now your card is dripping. You go out and you're a brandy dandy new EMT. You can now save lives. Good for you. I want... Gerard, you have always said this. I'm going to sum it up in two quotes. After after you leave class, this seems to be a systemic issue in EMS that causes the we, whole, we all suck phenomenon, mm-hmm. right? The man who graduates today and stops learning tomorrow is uneducated the day after, yep. right? The then second the, the second quote that I always uh, look at as inspiration for me to teach is your goal as a teacher is not to teach, to learn the material, right? Your goal is to teach them to find the concepts to, to continue to do the learning, teach them how to learn, right? Teach them how to learn, not just teach them what they need to know. Teach them to want to learn. Right. That is huge. Going out into the field is that this industry changes daily. Right, medicine changes. You need to stay on top of it. Just going, oh yeah, I passed my EMT test, and then nothing ever comes of right. anything else. Well, how are you growing as a provider? How are you staying on top of the best care? That's why you know there are still people that I teach refresher classes to, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna uh, put a sandbag on the uh, the, the foil chest. chest, and I'm like, no, no, you're not. That was 1965. <laughs> this is 2020. No. Hmm. Um, well, it's like, like I tell you know, every student after they take their test and they come running up all sloppy grins and, oh, my God, I got my EMT card and all this good stuff. And I tell them it's good. That card is now your license to go learn. Because mm-hmm. right now you don't know a damn thing. And I tell them when you get out there and you get your first job, you don't need to talk. You keep your mouth shut, your eyes and ears open, and your brain engaged. So let's talk about not just the first two weeks of EMT card, but let's talk, say, you know, first six months. Okay. Right? Because there's a lot that happens within the first six months of having an EMT the card. The transformation. That, that whole transformation. <laughs> okay? I'm going to tell two stories. And... I want everybody to really pay attention to these because these literally changed my entire outlook on EMS. And this is the this is this these are the stories that I tell every single student on the day before they take their final. So there's a word in EMS that we use reputation. Reputation literally means everything in this industry. Years ago, I got my card and I did really well in class. I tested high. I always, you know, I didn't fail anything. 
And I was like, yeah, I am all that in a bag of chips coming right out of class. So I, I have a card to fuck learning. I have a card to go save lives. So I went out, joined my local volunteer rescue squad. They went, hey, we're really in dire need of people. We're going to make you a crew leader like that, right? It was literally a month after I got my card. Mm. I don't even think I did 10 calls yet. <laughs> and they're like, you're going to lead ambulances. Awesome. My head grows bigger. Then I went and got my job with the paid <clears> agency. <throat> and they were like, hey, we're going to put you in the busiest truck because that's where we need you. We're going to put you with, you know, over the course of the year that I spent with that agency. They put me in the busiest truck, in the city truck. They put me with the brand new paramedics because they were like, you're so awesome. We need you to teach people, right? Here's the FDO you know, thing for, for brand new EMTs that we're going to stick with you. Again, what happens? Head gets bigger, right? I'm not sitting there like, oh, yeah, I should probably learn something or realize that I don't know everything. I'm just fucking awesome. So then the last thing is I joined my uh, volunteer fire department right before I got my EMT card. About a year after I got my card, they're like, hey, we want to make you the medical chief for the entire department. And I'm like literally 20, 22-ish mm -hmm. at this point in time. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm awesome. Why wouldn't you do that? Why didn't you do right. it six fucking months ago, right? Head gets bigger. Now, I didn't have any problems with care. I had an ego problem, right? I was all that in a bag of chips. I was literally the paragon at the EMT level, <laughs> right? Because all of this success happened, and I just ran with it. And I was like, they're giving it to me because I'm fucking awesome. Well, then I wanted to transfer into a new job. And that job, I interviewed, and they turned me down. And I sent them... An interview again, like six months later, and they were like, yeah, we're not even going to contact you this time. I'm like, okay. So then, you know, me being the persistent douche that I am, I was like, hey, three weeks later, what's going on? Are you going to, you know, do another interview? Whatever. So they never called me back. Instead, they send me a snail mail, right? Because this is days of snail mail. Mm. They send me snail mail, literally stating, never contact this agency <laughs> wow. ever oh again. Oh my God, that's awful. So within my first year and a half of being an EMT, I was blackballed and blacklisted from my first EM EMS company. I had also, because of the story I told you at the beginning of this podcast, had lost my position at the Volunteer Rescue Squad because... Me being me, I'm an egomaniac. I want to do patient care. Fuck all the rules. It doesn't matter. So they were like, yeah, you're a liability. Go fuck yourself. See you later. Goodbye. I built a reputation to where nobody wanted anything to do with me because I'm all that in a bag of donuts. Until I sat down with my father-in-law, who literally said, dude, reputation is all that you have in this business. That's it. You could be the greatest provider that has ever lived with the worst reputation and nobody is going to touch you. Or you could be 
the shittiest provider. You have a 110% kill ratio. <laughs> but you have the greatest reputation, and everybody is lining up to hire you. Learn from the mistakes that I made. Reputation is all you have in this business. And in your first year, you build that. It took me almost a decade to get my reputation back to where people were like, oh, yeah, I couldn't see you being that douchebag. Like, we love working with you. You know, there's a there's something to say about being humble in this business, not sitting there going, I'm all that in a bag of donuts, being like, yeah, I'm OK. Like and then just going out and rocking your calls. Right. That brings me to my second theory and i will uh i i typically don't say names of people but this deserves to be said a shout out a shout out because again one of the best teachings ever the mike kimmock dead fish theory and if you don't understand what the mike kimmock dead fish theory is think about when you see when you go down to the river and you see a fish that's dead what's it doing it's floating on top of the water. And where does it go? Floats down the river, right? Well, that's what really bad providers do in EMS. You start in one area. Like you get your card in one area, you go out, you get your job, and you're like, boom, I got a job here. But then you get fired from that job. And the three agencies around there know your reputation and they don't want anything to do with you. Well, then you got to slide down the river on your dead fish. You go somewhere <laughs> else. Right, You are the dead fish. You get further and further and further away from where you started in EMS, outrun, trying to outrun your reputation just to find a job. Don't let that happen. Um, I tell every EMT student that I teach those two stories in hopes that maybe it'll be like, yeah, does it work? No. Mm -hmm. it doesn't i've heard terrible stories of you know emt students having the same problem i did mm -hmm. you know um just watch out this, this is the best thing that i could leave you with today is scar and those two stories what else do you guys have go out and learn you guys when you're out of school there's so much that you're going to forget keep doing mm -hmm. your skills keep doing Keep doing practice questions. To this day, I will still do EMT practice questions. Just keep practicing it. You never know. You, you'll look back in five years and be like, I have forgotten more than I've ever learned. Which I can second because getting my pacemaker, I was out for six weeks. Yep. Right? And it's not that I forgot knowledge. It's I forgot skills. Mm -hmm. Right? I can't, like, for the first, like, four shifts that I've done since I've gotten back, I can barely start an IV, <laughs> right? And, and it's just because there was a six-week break mm. where I didn't touch an IV, right? You lose shit in this industry so quick, so quick. So Go put like, your partner in that traction splint. Go break out the KED. Keep doing your skills. And we've beaten down that dead horse that we don't practice yeah. nearly enough. Nearly enough, right? Here's your opportunity when you're brand new and enthusiastic, mm -hmm. this is like where people people will tend to gravitate towards enthusiastic people in EMS, right? So like 
If Kelsey walks into our station and goes, hey, I want to practice this today because I haven't done it yet, we'll all be like, okay, let's stop twiddling our thumbs, get off Facebook, <laughs> and go do stuff. You mean I have to turn Milano off? Yeah. <laughs> Except for if it's the rock song. <laughs> then no. We'll play through that and then start. Right. Um, but, it, you know, it, it is it, there is definitely something to be said about, you know, keeping the education going. Because I'll tell you. You lose it really quick. Really, really quick. As for me, man, I've come to find out this business is inherently unforgiving when it comes to uh, chewing people up and spitting them out. I Like, you know, Turk always says he tells his students, I tell my students the same thing. I say, you know, you look to your left, you look to your right a year from now. If those two people are still in EMS, you won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's about that's about right for the ratio. Um, you know, going into this with this idea, and, and and you know, we do a disservice in class because we do we we teach, hey, you're going to go save lives. Well, you rarely save lives. <laughs> put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you do some good sometimes. Sometimes you you break even. More times than not, you you know, you come up on a losing end, uh, and then there's other days when it's just, you know, transfers and stuff. Mundane you, stuff. Yeah, stuff you wouldn't even write home about. You know, um, prepare yourself for that reality, that you know you're there to provide out of hospital care to the patient. That is going to a hospital. That's it. It's nothing more than that. There's no capes. There's no, you know wind blowing through your hair and all that good stuff you know, walls full of medals and awards I mean, with that though i'm gonna say you have to remember when you go on a scene that it's their emergency not yours right and i can't tell you how many times you go on scene and i've done it too and you're like why the fuck did they call an ambulance for this it's their emergency not yeah, yours. they're having a mm-hmm. bad day yeah right it's theirs don't and, make it about you it's not about you do what the patient needs yeah. and i think you know that's another disservice we don't teach in class and that whole bedside manner, you know, humanity aspect of EMS to where, you know, we are there to be at their beck and call. It doesn't matter if they call at three o'clock in the morning for toe pain and they've called 60 times in the last week, right? You walk in there and you go, hey, Mr. So-and-so, how are you? What What's can I do on? to how make your I day help? better? Right. And providers that don't do that don't deserve the job. And that's my opinion, right? Because you wouldn't expect that from your Texas Roadhouse server, right? Right? (laughs) To come in and be like, oh, yeah, Mr. Jerk, you were here last week. Fuck yourself, right? Oh, do you want the steak again? Yeah, I (laughs) want the steak again, right? You don't do But that's what we are, right? We provide service to people in a time where they think it's the worst day of their life. And oh, you'd be surprised. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There was a girl in a city that I used to work at that used to eat batteries just to call us I and mean, go to the hospital. Less things she could have done. <laughs> yeah, but Lord. I mean. That'll get your attention. Yep. She's <laughs> fun time. You well, know? I mean, I, I, I've worked in different places where in almost every single place there's always one old lady 
you know, we're old guy that's that's just lonely. Yeah, but, and, and you're always going to have your frequent flyers. Right. You're always you know. going to have these people that call all the time. They'll know mm-hmm. you. You'll see them in the store, and they'll know you, and it just, oh, and here the, it is. But you There's know what? The and, but they are they are a patient, a new exactly. patient every single time. Every and, time. And, because and don't dismiss them. Exactly. Don't dismiss them. Because here's the caveat to that. Just this past week, one of our regulars who – it's always bullshit. It's, you know, there there has even been an element of narc seeking with this p- particular uh, location, this patient. But this one time, it was legit. Everybody gets sick. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets and it's, sick. And it's the when one patient, time. When this patient said, oh, my heart feels like it's racing, and I put it on, I said, oh, shit, you're banging at 180. Mm-hmm. And, and It was legit. And <laughs> how many people... That, you know, we know and, you know, not say work with because I feel like our agency's fairly okay. Mm-hmm. But how many providers that we know that would have just been like, oh, yeah, your heart's racing. Yeah, what else? BLS. Yeah. Right. And then they code in the back of the ambulance because they're SVT at 190. Yeah. And then their heart craps out. Right. Right. So it is that. And as a new provider, don't let those people get to you. I can't even tell yeah. you. Even today, call goes out. They're calling. It's BLS from the from the door. We haven't right. even gotten in the ambulance yet. Like I don't want to hear it. Yep. I don't want to hear it. There will you will be engaged with salty, oh, yes. crusty, jaded motherfuckers. And some <laughs> and some of them will go out of their way to make your life miserable. Yep. And you know what? Get away from them. Yep. They like to me. Those people don't deserve to be in this industry either. Right. There's plenty of jobs as a Walmart greeter that you can sit there and count how many fucking COVID patients come through the door and not fucking (laughs) smile at them. Do that. Don't be in this job where you're like, yeah, I don't feel like working today. This CHF patient. Yeah, they can be a go be list. It's fine. Right. Just put them on action. They'll make it to the hospital. It's, you know, X amount of miles away. It's fine. Uh, It it is funny because I've noticed, you know, through my course of this part of my uh, second career that every agency has their blowhards and their salty you know been there done that stay away from me don't talk to me because you know you're not cool enough but they also have one or two sometimes three or four really cool people that love taking new people under their wing and showing them the right way to do things and, and you know Get the, them and stick with them. They get yep. the, they get the fact that you know we are only as strong as our weakest link, and if you don't train these people and get them up to speed and teach them the right way, when you need them, they're gonna suck. Mm-hmm. And you know, my father in law was the one that said, "Hey, I want me to be the worst provider here," and he's stellar. Mm. Like if you Beyond. can if you can raise yourself. And the agency and the providers in there that your weakest link is your best provider on day one, that's the agency that everyone's going to gravitate mm-hmm. to. And the only way you do that is by young people like Kelsey or new people that come in going, hey, I don't want to just sit here. I want to do stuff. I want to tech the call. I want to do you know lessons in the in the bay i want to talk about this i want to do a call debrief after every single call you know let me do this let me do that that's the only way like you will get overwhelmed but that's okay 
Like, being overwhelmed sometimes helps. It does. Right? Because no matter what, Gerard, you've been overwhelmed. I've Mm. been overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Emily's been overwhelmed. At some point in our career, we just don't show it anymore. But inside, we're like, damn it. Ugh. I don't want to be here. Right? Um, I had that uh, two-year-old there that uh, was uh, vomiting and going unconscious on us and Mom's freaking out, and I'm just like doing my thing. I'm putting IV in, to, you know, give him some fluids, go to the hospital. She brings this freaking, you know, big box of Italian pastries, a big card signed by the whole family. Thank you, thank you. And I'm just like, you know, I was talking to her, and, and me being me, I don't, you know, I don't really mince yeah, words. Yeah. So I, as a, she was like, oh, and you were just so good and calm, and, and I was like. Man, I was shitting my pants. <laughs> so really? But, you didn't show it? I'm like, oh, yeah. Nope. You probably still can't find the seat cushion in there. <laughs> um, yeah, and that and that is the way that, you know, you don't have to be like that on day one, yeah. right? You don't have to be the grizzled veteran at day one. And good providers are not going to expect it from you. Right, you know, but you know. what I do expect, especially from, like, I expect it from Kelsey because she rides with us. Mm-hmm. If I say, Kelsey, do something, like put in an OPA, she's never done that before a day in her life, and she's like, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I'll sit there and be like, okay, we're going to do it together, yeah. right? But some providers would be like, oh, go fuck yourself. Get out of here. Go wait in the ambulance. Get me a stair chair. Do something. Like, I don't want you touching this patient. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. Take that as a teaching opportunity. Um you know, eventually these, you know, Gerard, you and I, and Emily, you're going to be sucked into this too because, <laughs> yeah, just just wait till oh you hear what this statement is. Gerard and I realized, I would say a few months ago, that our group of providers are the new Salty Krusty people. Oh, yeah. Like, we are the people that are replacing, like, our age group mm-hmm. are the replacements for the guys that we learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That scared the bejesus out of me when I first realized, yeah, a couple, like, couple more years. oh, my dear God, I'm going to be them soon, you know? And Kelsey's where we were years ago, mm-hmm. just learning, and now... Who does she have to look up to? Bright-eyed, full of hopes and dreams. But those hopes and dreams are there, you know? And that's the thing that we can't deviate from. You can keep your hopes and dreams because I, like, you know, there's a second career path for me. There's a second career path for you. And I would never turn it back. Like, I would never sit there. I missed going to work after six weeks. I was so happy. When I got in the back of the ambulance just to check my gear bag, <laughs> I was like, ha, ah, this is so nice. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to do a call. And then I did the worst call possible. And I was like, this sucks, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> it was so refreshing. Um, so it's a, there was a, a very prominent educator in EMS that, uh, I actually got to befriend before his passing, and uh, was he was a cool guy. And uh, I remember it was my first day. Uh, I had a horrendous very first call in EMS. And uh, we get back from it, and 
he sits down at the table across from me and he's, uh, you know, we're talking about it and everything. And his parting words were, welcome. You now have a front row seat to the greatest show on earth. Seriously. And it ain't a joke. It ain't a joke. Yeah. It ain't a joke. So anything else from the table, anything that you want to say, Kelsey, since you're the one that's going into this so, great unknown world. I just want to say one thing. So my first call that Gerard handed me, I thought I did great. I was like, man, I was really on top of it. Like, I may or may not have asked the guy a hundred times if he was feeling okay or felt any different. My pastor was but a little too But you continued to engage your patient. But I genuinely was like, man, I did great. And then came in the next day and Turk gave me my other call and I was like, okay, that was less than spectacular. I thought you did fine. And that's the thing is I my first call went really well and then I got that and I think like you go into it with having expectations like I went into it thinking okay I'm gonna be great because I'm a I'm all that in a bag of chips right in a bag of chips I am like a relatively decent student I feel like I've learned a lot and then it wasn't even an insane call and I was like oh I really know nothing and I think if you there's a difference between having confidence and being cocky you have to know what you know. Mm-hmm. But draw the line. If you know you don't know it, don't act like you do. There's that big part about being humble. Yeah. That that whole humble reputation, willing to be a sponge and learn, goes a long way. And learn from people that want to teach you. Don't learn from the people that want to turn you into, you know, stretcher jockeys and, yeah. and oh, we're going to turn everything BLS to you, right? And because that will happen, you know. The, the biggest, the, the, the last thing that I want to, you said go out, get calls, Emily. I think that is the biggest thing that you can do. Don't allow yourself to go out, get your EMT card, and then go, well, I'm only going to run fire calls. Or I'm, I got it because I really want to help out my local rescue squad that my parents were a part of and that my brother's a part of, and they do six calls a month. No. Go get calls. Do that. Sure. Help out your community. Be a volunteer. Awesome. But you're, you're, you are limiting yourself when you're doing six calls a month. Or you could go out and join a paid agency or even a busier volunteer agency that might do six calls a day. Yeah. Join them awesome. and do something there. Even if it's one shift a week. Because, again, if you don't use it, you it's gone. It. It's gone. You know, I think the biggest thing that can be said is that if I didn't go from volunteer to paid EMS in a city where I was doing 16 calls every 12 hours, Mm. whether it was day or night, didn't matter. I wouldn't have been here the same. And I'm going to really get Emily's red ass up a little bit here. Oh, you know what I'm going to say. Commercially a mess, baby. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to say it, but that's where I went first. I, I was waiting for you. That's um, where, so, yeah, so that's where I went first. And uh, they gave me an opportunity as, a, as an EMT to really, I mean, forget all the other really good stuff that I did learn, but just the learning my rhythm and my bedside manner, being in contact with 16, 20 patients a day. Mm-hmm. You know, It goes far. It goes far built me up and and gave me you know that ability to interact with patients of all different you know race colored creeds moods whatever you know conditions you know i mean you get people 
you know, one minute you're on a, on a call and they're, you know, crabby and nasty and calling you an asshole. And then the next you got, you know, a woman begging you to save her life. I mean, it, it, and you have to be able to switch your mindset like that. And running commercial email, I was in an agency, I think we did, uh, we had one day, 24 hour shift, we, we did 43, 44 calls mm-hmm. between four trucks. Yep. So it, um, been there, you know, it, it been sucks. There. And I loved it. Well, I loved every second about oh, it. Oh, no, no, at the end of that day, it's said, no, I, oh, I, see. I wanted to find a nice tall building to jump off. <laughs> I was done. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, but, I, no, but again, you know, having been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know. And it's a snazzy one. You do, you do, <laughs> you do that. And you learn all these things, and you and the skills you learn, you know, working with a paramedic, or, you know, or or even on a BLS bus, um, those you carry with you the rest of the of your career. I mean, it's it. I know, it, you know, it, it. We talk about building a foundation, and I know Emily doesn't like commercial EMS. Emily's but, glaring a hole through you right you, now. But if you go and <laughs> you know you get your EMT card and you go and work for that rural agency that runs four calls a month, gone. And then you decide, hey, I want to go, you know, up my game a little bit and maybe make a little more money. You're going to have a hard time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it's as much as commercial. Like, I agree. I think that yeah. if you have no experience, you should go commercial. I, that's the only time oh I'll my ever God. say this. So she mark just that down. It. She just Ladies and yeah. gentlemen. But I think <laughs> the bigger point to that <laughs> is just create <laughs> your foundation. And, like, if you're yeah. going to go to that, I never worked commercial a day in my life, ever. That was my saving but grace. you were a junior. You, I stick to that, but yeah. I went, I started at 14. I started right. in a junior program. You had a good foundation. I never sat on my ass at that rescue squad and watched TV with everybody. Somebody was up doing something with me. Mm. I made a list. We did the list. I made, we went through that list. I made another one. Like we were always yeah. learning. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Get what you can out of every place you go to. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So I think we beat that dead horse long and hard. <laughs> in ending, um, we're going to do a another episode all talking about EMT classes and EMS education uh, down the road, but we really wanted to hit this one hard solely because the EMT students are just coming out of class right when this is uh, right when this will air. So um, I hope you guys have good luck and don't be a douche when you first come out with your card. Best advice you could ever get from me. Don't be a douche. If you want to be a douche, at least be a humble douche, okay? Yes. It, and and Kelsey, you you said keep learning. Keep learning. And my only adding to that would be something that uh, was told to me early on in EMS. If you don't have a sense of humor, and this was at the beginning run of my EMT now. class. Yeah, run. At the beginning of my EMT class, the instructor said, "If you do not have a sense of humor." You have got eight weeks to find one. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've listened to this podcast. If you're a student, you know. This is this is table talk that we would have in the ambulance bay. And in the ambulance Mike, going we're having go, right, going to the cardiac arrest from grandma. We're like, this is how we talk. Pretty it's much. it's pretty much spot on. So uh, we don't hold anything back here, but uh, thank you for listening, all EMT students. If you're if you've made it this far into the episode, good luck on your test. Yep. Um, hopefully, you guys do well. We see you in the field. I always enjoy meeting the the brand new providers mm-hmm. that uh, eventually will take my spot in this industry. And so, a, and that is a really cool feeling. It is. I, I it's keep, a very cool I keep feeling. Meeting some of my 
old EMT students who are now paramedics and yep. nurses. And it's a it's a yeah. really really cool feeling to see to to watch them mature and grow and stuff. Yeah. And eventually we'll be calling her resident resident like yeah, we said R resident squared. So yeah. um, you know, and that's that'll be cool too. So stay strong, everybody, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Donuts. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.